Welcome to the Tiproxy Method, creating confident learners. The Tiproxy Method uses a unique combination of breath work, brain body work, gratitude, and a clay-based program to affect the neuroplasticity of the brain in students. To help strengthen their mind-body connection, help them develop a growth mindset, and most importantly, trust and confidence in themselves. Make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes. One way to support the Creating Confident Learners podcast is to leave a five-star review and written review anywhere you listen to it. Thanks so much, and let's get started. I was thinking about how it's so, so important to allow and create space for students to be themselves, to make sense of things for themselves, to not stress out their nervous systems where they kind of like wig out and shut down. Be sure to sign up for the foundation course. This course is here to support you, both parents and educators. It teaches the exact foundational tools I have used with students to increase focus, ease anxiety, and help raise confidence and self-esteem so that they can succeed in all areas of their lives, including academics. It's made into bite-sized digestible pieces to help you apply these tools right away. thinking about how it's so, so important to allow and create space for students to be themselves, to make sense of things for themselves, to not stress out their nervous systems where they kind of like wig out and shut down. Sometimes I see that parents and adults just want so badly for their kids, especially those kids who are struggling to just work so hard, be fully focused, not wiggle, not be goofy, and to get hyper-focused and just get it when it's actually impossible to do so for their child, or at least to do so in the manner with that particular child. I just had an adult friend recently tell me about his experience of AD and how when he was younger, reading a book, it wasn't just reading the book, it was the light in the pages, the texture of the book, the book cover, the sounds around him that would just take his attention in all these directions. And I found that kids who are hyper distracted, their sensory system is overloaded. That's why I do a lot of the breath work and the gratitude. I actually usually do three grateful things, breathing, three, four, five breath and nose breathing. But actually recently I've come back to my original breath with eyes closed breathing where they are heavy in their body. They're still at least for a minute. I like to build up to five minutes, but just some of my kids who are super wiggly, who are super distracted, they need to come to that centered place. And I'm finding that this older breath that I used to do the last five years or about five years ago is actually helping them better at the moment. It's funny because I have this huge toolbox of tools, academic and also breath work and gratitude and stuff like that. And every time a kid sees me, I have things in place, but I'm finding that it goes and waves the tools that I go to that is needed. And it's almost like the kids that I work with, they kind of move in waves at the same time. And I start going, oh no, we need to do a little bit more exposure with just the sound patterns. Oh, we need to do a little bit more visual. Oh no, we need a little bit more downtime, a little bit more breath work to get them to where they need to go. So they're not stressed out and they can't can be focused and they can sit down longer. I have one student, I just met him this school year, who's super wiggly to begin with. And now he has a few tools and outs when he needs to wiggle or take a little break. But the amount of focus, the time length itself, and the amount of 
material that he can do in one sitting has gotten bigger and more because of many factors being more present and being more calm. But also another thing is he listens to me the first time versus the many times that it took at the beginning when we first met each other a few months ago. And we can only teach kids where they're at as well as teaching them the tools in focus. We also need to give them the tools and mindfulness and awareness of themselves. And, you know, if those things are not in place, the the wanting them so badly to just work hard, to be fully focused, to not wiggle, to not be like goofy and goof off and to be hyper-focused is just not tangible until those tools kind of come in place. I had a student a few years ago who was very, very, very far behind. So he was homeschooled with me. He happened to be doing more independently that school year than he'd ever done before in his entire academic career in schools. And yet for one of his parents, it was never enough. And this child ended up getting burnt out. I ended up getting burnt out because there was no space to go at the pace that the child could handle. And it's important that the pace is sustainable, consistent, yes, high expectations, but it's something that any child can handle. If we push too hard, they burn out and it just falls apart from there. It's inevitable. When we're doing something new, we do hit a plateau. We do hit a block, an internal block or a burnt out block. And it's, you know, learning to not just stop, but to rest and then coming back, but also learning how to create a consistent, sustainable schedule that makes sense for where they're at, that doesn't stress out their nervous system. When we stress them out, they just shut down. Actually, I had a child who was tired yesterday and, you know, even things that were easy for him typically. Yesterday, they were too hard. It just wasn't happening. We have to honor where kids are at. You know, I remember in yoga when I first started, I just realized it'll be 17 years. It has been 17 years to February 2024 of yoga practice. And when I first started, take a simple posture like warrior two, I remember on each day and still now it feels different. Some days you feel super empowered and it's so easy to do. Some days the body feels heavy, you feel tired and like, you know, it's just hard to hold. It's taxing. It has to do with what we've eaten, how we slept, what our stress level is, where our body's at that day. All these things affect something as simple as one yoga pose. Of course, it's going to affect a kid how they show up every single week with the material that they have. And so we have to create a space where they can navigate it for themselves and be themselves. And again, not stress out the nervous system so that they shut down. I've found that oftentimes parents don't always see how checked out their child is in a school setting, how highly distracted they are in that group setting, how that child adds distraction to their classmates when they're being like that. I have walked into so many classrooms and shadowed kids when they don't expect and I think their parents, if they actually saw what their kids were doing, you know, they'd be shocked how off task they are. At one time I saw a kid lying down, you know, oftentimes nose in the book versus whatever was going on in the class. You know, some kids, you know, really, really don't thrive in that setting. We can hopefully, you know, navigate that and fill that in and support that with some, you know, independent work or filling gaps of knowledge or like at least one time a week when they struggle in that setting. But the kids with, you know, high distraction, they really, really do struggle. And sometimes that affects their peers in the classroom. But I think what I've seen 
with some of these kids, unfortunately, over the years. I mean, I have 20 years to pull from. So there's been a pattern. You know, I think their parents would actually be quite surprised at how their their kids sometimes act in those classrooms. Sometimes it's maturity or lack of skills that doesn't allow for the student to show up in the way in that way or even in the range of what others are doing in the class. Amount The amount of times I've walked in or shadowed a child in classroom that they're struggling academically, oftentimes their behavior, whether it's lack of focus, daydreaming, goofing off, would be surprising to their parents if they saw it. So again, space and knowledge is always teaching to how a child learns, what's important to them, integrating to prior knowledge that they have and letting kids be themselves and share their likes and dislikes and their goofiness. I have some kids who, you know, when they're, they've learned to navigate their distraction, they have little tools that they use. I have some kids who will sometimes speak the story in goofy or accents and stuff like that, but they're fully engaged. They found a way to entertain themselves. Some kids need those tangible things and we have to honor them for where they're at. And again, slowly, bit by bit, piece by piece, help them have just a little bit longer of a focus window, just a little bit longer of, you know, concentration. And then over time that does snowball and build. I have found that over the years that we need to create space for students to be themselves, where this allows them to not think that anything is wrong with them. Then they tend to naturally thrive with the right pace and scaffolding, not pushing them through to burn out, like I mentioned, but taking the next logical first step and then the next to get them in the direction that they need to go so they can function in that group setting, so they can function at grade level. This is really what we need to create containers for them. All kids need time to make sense of things for themselves. Sometimes I think we forget that. Again, we know that phrase, it takes 10,000 hours to become an expert and we want kids to be an expert in what they're doing. And sometimes a kid gets something in five minutes and sometimes a kid gets the same concept or a different kid in five hours. And it's just understanding their learning process. The way that school is set up, it makes it seem like kids should be working at the same pace. But for kids who struggle in that environment, they need the time and space that they need to master that skill, whether it's a hundred times more practice than their peers. A couple of friends actually the other night were talking about a college course that they took when the professor said outright the first day, if you have trouble imagining 2D images and making them 3D images, you're going to struggle in this class. And as an adult, it made me laugh because it's just not possible for a whole class, we're talking college students here, to think like that. So of course there were going to be students who were going to struggle in that class. And it just reminds me of that comic strip where students are portrayed as animals. We have a monkey, a fish, a giraffe, an elephant, and they're all asked to climb a tree as their test of proficiency. It's almost comical when we imagine kids strengths like that. That's kind of what we do with standardized testing. We go, hey, all you guys need to have this one test that shows what kind you are. But if we think about each kid as a different animal, you know, it's not possible for one test to show their strengths or weaknesses. <laughs> it's not quite an accurate measure in that regard. On the flip side, I am a firm believer and idealist that all kids can learn the core skills that they need, that the foundational academic skills of reading well, writing well, understanding math concepts well, as a foundation to transfer to the topics that they want and need to learn throughout life is something that all kids can do. I really, I really do believe that. We need to give kids the time to make sense of things for themselves. And yes, consistency and high expectations too, and holding them accountable and, you know, 
just stretching them a little bit more, but that's a fine line of that balance of not stressing out their nervous systems in the process, or else they do just burn out and give up and we don't get to where we need to go. The process does take a real level of patience. The students I see have a relatively predictable schedule, so it's easy to build the skills over time with deeper text, vocabulary, math concepts over time, using the math games, the reading time, the writing time, the problem of the day to strengthen and deepen their knowledge over time. But again, like I mentioned, some days kids have low energy or they're just burnt out or tired or unfocused and we may not get as much done as we normally do or normally can that day, but we do it at a pace that they can handle so that we can pick up the next time the next week, the next session. Just this past break, when kids were back from a long break and all, I swear, all of them had glassy eyes being back at school for the first time with a long school day. Almost felt like the first week of school, this this um, last long break, yet but it wasn't, but they did, it did feel like they were starting a whole new routine. You know, it was almost as bad as coming back off of summer break for some reason, the winter break this school year. Maybe it just, you know, people had a little bit longer time or their schedules were fuller and it was kind of a shock to the system to get back into a routine for a full school day. Some days I personally want to do more with a child, but I am not willing to sacrifice deeper understanding just to push them to do more. It's not about busy work. I'm all about bite-sized tasks, tangible tasks that build up over time. And in this way, we create space for kids to learn at a pace that they can handle and not get burnt out. And when we do this, we do give kids the space to be themselves and create knowledge for themselves without taxing their nervous system. When the nervous system is less stressed, they tend to have an ease in learning that helps them with the retention of material, but also a happiness, a lightness, and a pride in how they're learning it. Be sure to sign up for the foundation course. This course is here to support you. It teaches the exact foundational tools I have used with students to ease anxiety and help raise confidence and self-esteem so that they can succeed in all areas of their lives, including academics. It's available as a one-time purchase or as an ongoing monthly subscription with extra group support and monthly live stream. Be sure to sign up for the newsletter to stay in contact. Keep up with the Creating Confident Learners community on Instagram and Facebook at Creating Confident Learners. Have a blessed day and aloha.